ahead and turn back to James chapter 1. Um, this is where we're really going to start getting into some of these like practical do this thing kind of teaching in James that, that I often attribute to the book of James. A very, a very action, you know, call to action sort of, sort of message that James brings us. And we're going to get right into that. But, but before we get into that, um, do you have and you may, everybody might think of somebody right away when I say this. Does everybody know or have that friend that knows everything? Like, like has a statistic for everything or is like, this is exactly how this works. Or I know how this works definitively. Whether they've experienced that thing or studied that thing in the past. They know. They have an answer to give for something. I know how this is. If you can't think of anybody in your life that's like that, it's probably you. So feel free to be a little bit introspective right now if you're like, oh, wait a second. I always say, I always have an answer ready to give for something that I might not have any expertise in, and I, but I'm ready to jump in with an answer at a moment's notice. That's sometimes me. I, I speak very confidently sometimes. Don't really, don't necessarily know what, what it is that I'm getting ready to say, but, but James is going to speak, if that's you, like me, that's, James is going to speak directly to us right here at the beginning. Uh, this morning. So if you're in James chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 19, and he says this, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to to save your souls. We're going to stop right there for right now. But we often speak with great confidence about things that we really don't know. Like sometimes we have very strong opinions about things that we believe to be true about Scripture, but we aren't prepared with perhaps the Scripture to back it up or, or the experience to really say definitively. There's, there's a, it's one of those, there's a reason that we give degrees to some people and there's a reason that some things that we say hey, I read on the internet that this is true. But what is it that we always have to say when, we, when we're like quoting the internet? It's obviously true, right? That's the exact thing that we're, it's, if you read it, it's absolutely one, no. No, what's the source, right? What is it that's informing the statements that you are making right now? Are you just pulling this out of thin air? Are you just saying, I read it on a blog post? Is it, I saw this one tweet that said, but if they're not saying this is done by, you know, some sort of organized research or, or, or here's, here's the parameters through which this study was conducted, we can't say things very definitively. And if we say things, if we present things as, as fact with all this confidence, we might, you know, do that thing where we overspeak and then we have to retract or apologize. Or we've put our foot in our mouth, that sort of thing. And so James is saying, he's, he's giving us all of, he's kind of building up to this, this case of, I want you to go out and do stuff. That's where this, this statement is going, right? But before we go out, before he says, before you go out ready to just take on the world, I want you to go with an attitude that's ready to, that's ready to be quick to hear. Take a second receive certain things, hear the things. Don't just, don't just start talking. Don't just become angry when people don't agree with the things that you say. 
Approach, approach spiritual conversations or, or approach taking the word with you wherever it is that you go. Approach taking the gospel with meekness, right? He uses that word. Meekness is not a word that we often use in our day-to-day vocabulary, but it's like, think of humility, humbly, thinking of yourself as small, not, not the one who's, who's going to say, I have the right answer and it's because of me that you're going to believe this thing. Not going political right now. I'm just making a statement of fact. We are in a time and will continue to be in a time for the next calendar year where there's going to be a lot of people yelling at each other trying to say, I know things better than you do. And most of the competition tends to be who can make sure they're louder than the other. Not who can back up what they're saying with fact. Just going to leave it at that. That's as far as I'm going down that line. But here's the thing. What, what James is saying is if you're going to try to... And, and this is, I mean, I think of this as a picture of if you're going to talk to someone about Jesus, if you're going to take the gospel, if you're going to be obedient to be, to be taking the word with you wherever you go and, and trying to share who Jesus is, do it with confidence, but, but don't do it in a way where you're trying to go out in the power and forcefulness of your own voice. Do it from a place of humility and a place that's informed by Scripture. He's essentially saying you can't anger somebody into heaven. Right? You can't just be so mad that you want them to change that they'll change. You can't just walk up and say, I know this thing better than you, and I'm going to beat it into you until you, eventually, until you eventually just love Jesus. You can't punch somebody into loving Jesus. As much as sometimes we may want to try. As much as sometimes he says, you may want to just walk up and grab somebody by the collar and say, do you hear the words that are coming out of my mouth? Do you hear the things that I'm saying? Do you see the things that have happened in your life? He's saying, we have to, we have to, we have to be patient. We don't just quickly jump to anger and rage and yelling. We approach with meekness. Just as an aside, and I've got a verse up here to kind of demonstrate, I'm not trying to say that to be angry is a sin, right? Ephesians 4.26 says, be angry and do not sin, meaning those things are not mutually exclusive. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. He's saying there is an appropriate time for anger. We have seen pictures of Jesus being angry. He walks into the temple. He sees how it's being used. He starts throwing tables and saying, you guys are really not getting the point of what this place is here for, right? So I don't want this to be kind of a long diatribe about never be angry. But what James is calling you to is to check yourself. Check why you are angry. And most of the time, I would imagine when we become angry, it's because we haven't taken the time to fully you know, inspect what the situation is that we're experiencing. And perhaps we're not informed by Scripture with how we should handle moving forward. Hearing the Word, right? Because what is it that he starts with? Be quick to hear. To hear the word of God, to listen to the words of Scripture, takes humility. Because to hear these words is to say, I don't know everything. I don't have the perfect answer. I can't speak to that. I can't do anything about that. I need to be informed by something that I am submitting to. It's to elevate the word of God. It's to elevate the things that this book teaches us, that it says to us. 
And that's a hard thing to ask yourself to do sometimes because we want to be confident. I mean, there, I'm sure we've all had this experience where you're maybe, maybe you're having a spiritual conversation with somebody or you're having a conversation about something that you've studied a lot or you've read about a lot and they ask you some question and you don't know the answer. Sometimes the hardest thing to say to somebody when they ask you a question about something is, I don't know. That's really hard. To, like, I don't know the answer to that. Because, because that's to say, I don't have everything perfectly figured out in my own life. I don't perfectly understand the words of Scripture. And we may think that that would be detrimental to building somebody up or encouraging them in the Word, but I think it's more encouraging to say humbly, I don't have the answer to that. That's something I could maybe go back and we can look at together in the Bible and see if we can answer but, but we don't have all the answers ready all the time. And I think one of the big descriptors of what it looks like to be a believer is to be humble. I mean, think about the God that we serve, who didn't think being equal with God was worth holding on to, but came and took on the form of a servant, being made in the likeness of man, and allowed himself to be killed, suffered, died. Not just death, but death on a cross, right? He, he humbled himself so that we could be saved. Right? That's the gospel. That's what we believe. And it's all built around this idea of humility. So why wouldn't the followers of Jesus also be willing to humble themselves? Look at this language that he uses in verse 21. So therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls, right? What is he saying? He's not saying go out and argue somebody into heaven because he's saying that's not how it works. You received the word with meekness. It was the implanted word. What, what, what do we know about those words? With the way it's written, received, implanted, those are very passive terms. He's saying these are things that Christ has done for you. You received those things because he implanted them in you. So don't think that you can then take those same words and say, I'm going to go take them. I'm going to shove them down somebody's throat and they're going to be a believer just like me. No, they also will receive the word with meekness as it is an implanted word within them. So, so that, I think all of these challenges, because I think he's setting himself up for where he's about to go. He's about to say, go out and do things. But he's making sure that as he sets up believers to prepare them to go out and be doers of the word, which is exactly what we're about to say. He wants to make sure that as you go, you do so still filled with the humility, knowing that it wasn't because of anything that you did that you were saved, that you were put in this place, but it's because of the work of Christ in your life and that you were humbly saved as he implanted the word in your heart. So, so take the time to just kind of sit back and say, I still need to receive this word. I still need to know what this word is. It, it's why we still study even after we're saved. It's why we still say, I don't know everything. It's why we still sit under preaching. It's why we still go back to the word and say, I need to know more of what is in this book so that I can know how to live my life and to not feel like we are the experts in everything because I have now been saved for upwards of one minute or longer. So let's go ahead and keep reading. Because, because quick to hear does not mean don't do anything, right? When he, says, when he says, slow down, be quick to hear, doesn't mean just stay still. He goes on, picking up in verse 22. 
but be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away at once, forgets what he, is, what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but, de but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So here's what James says. You have to hear it. But if it just stops at hearing and you say, I have now heard the word. Thank you. Good night. But it doesn't lead to action. It doesn't lead to a natural motivation to do something. If you don't, if you don't hear the word, and I've been using this word so much lately, become intrinsically motivated. Like it's in you. You, hear, you have this motivation that you can't help but now do something. What James is saying, that's, that's religion and it's worthless. But if you're in Christ, once you have that word implanted within you, once you've humbly received with meekness the implanted word, it's not going to stop at just being in you. You're going to change the way you act and that's going to affect the things that you do. The word, receiving the word of God doesn't just stop at that. Hearing it and studying it and moving on. It's going to naturally lead us into action. I have a video that perfectly demonstrates that. Why does that look like my father who is in heaven? So if you don't know who that is, that's Francis Chan. He's one of my favorite people in the world. Um, but that, I was going to just give you that example that he gave, but man, he does it so well. He's so much better than me at this kind of thing. But, but I love that picture, that picture of we're really good at sitting around and talking about good things that God has called us to do, right? We're really good at, being told, at hearing, this is a kind of ministry that could do, let's have some meetings about it. This is, this is just, and this is me ranting about life. That, this is my life at work. Like, if you work at ETSU, you are in, like, most of your life is just meetings, talking about the doing of things. You don't usually get to the doing of things until you've had an unnecessarily long period where you've had lots of meetings with lots of people about what we could possibly do. And at the end, you're like, oh, man, it's time to do the thing. Are we ready? No, we've been talking in these meetings for too long. We haven't gotten. But we do this, too, as the church. And that's the exact that, that, that picture is so perfect. You know, let's 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 go. Let's go save the world. Let's go take the gospel. OK. Can we have a couple of t weeks where we just sit down and try to figure out what that looks like? <laughs> Can we sit down and talk about some words? We and, and there's time for that. There's place for that. But if we just hide behind the wall of, I'm not ready yet, I can't do anything yet, when are we going to actually start taking the gospel places? I mean, part of that is what motivated this whole church to become a thing because we started going out and walking around and talking to people. 
and we weren't ready. We had no idea what we were doing. When we planted this church, we had, and you may be saying, not much has changed. We had no idea what we were doing. I mean, it was, hey, you have two weeks, go start a church. We need to have some meetings. We got to figure out. How, but like, seriously, like there was so little that we knew how to do. But but we knew God was saying it is time. Go. I'm calling you to this thing. And we had to just go. We had to go do something. Now, is there was there still time for study? Was there still time for preparation? Was there still time for planning and talking? Absolutely. There's still got to be time where you where you're quick to hear, where you receive with meekness the implanted word of God. Like that still has to happen too. But, but at the same time, if you're going to hear those things and if the word of God is going to be alive and real within you, it does not just stop with you hearing those things. You actually will be spurred into action because of the value of the truth that is within you. Looking at the mirror, and he's using the word of God as the mirror, to look at the mirror that is scripture and see who we are or who we were and now who we are now after Christ has saved us. Being able to look at that and then put it down and then go on and live our lives completely forgetting what all those things are saying. He's saying that's just like looking at yourself in an actual mirror and forgetting who you are. Forgetting what you look like. He's saying we, when we look at ourselves in the mirror of the word of God... We should see what has changed about ourselves. We should see what is true. It should, it should affect us in some sort of way. It should motivate us to change, to maybe become more holy, right? He says that. To keep oneself unstained from the world. It motivates us to, to separate ourselves from the things that we've been pulled so deeply into that maybe have, have called us and pulled us into sin all of this time. But at the same time, it's also seeing, oh, wow, this is what Christ has done in me. I want others to experience that as well and to receive that motivation from, from looking in the mirror of the word of God. Right? From, from seeing what the truth in this book has for us. One who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forget, but a, forgets, but a doer who acts. He will be blessed in all his doing. That's what he's saying. He's saying, when you see this and you understand what it's calling you to do, it's not just calling us to sit down and be done. It's not just calling us to say, wow, the work of Christ is completed. He saved me. I'm in. This is great. I'm going to sit down and do nothing. He's saying, if that, if that is your motivation, if that's where you are, then that's just some fake religion that you kind of thought you believed in, and that's not real. Look at what it's, I want you to, I do want to say one thing that it's not saying. The one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, perseveres, being no here, he will be blessed in his doing. What that's not saying is you have to do these things to be saved. But what he's saying is, if you are doing these things, that is evidence that you are saved. And those who are not motivated to do anything are not saved. That's subtle but we can sometimes kind of superstitiously trick ourselves and saying, well, I'm doing good here, 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 and here. Therefore, God will save me. No, 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 no. Our motivation to do comes from what God has, through, through meekness, implanted his word in our hearts. 
Does that make, do you see the difference there? Do you see what I'm trying, the, the, the separation I'm trying to make? I don't want this to become some sort of superstition. So if I just, if you're saying, if I come walk around downtown with you guys, then that means I'm saved. No. If the motivation to go around walking and talking to people and praying for them and building relationships with people in the church and building one another up and speaking the truth of Scripture to each other to encourage each other or hugging somebody that you know is going through a difficult time and saying, I'm not going to leave, I'm going to be here for you. If that motivation comes, na- comes from within you, you just want to be doing those things out of, out of a love for serving other people and wanting them to know the joy of Christ that you have within you, that's evidence that you are saved. If that's in you, that's what it looks like to be a believer. I don't have it up on the screen, but like Galatians 5 says, you know that you're saved because of the fruit that you bear, because of the things that come out of you. Do any of the kids still have memorized all the fruits of the Spirit? Yeah. What are they? What do you, what? Come on, what you got? Give me some. Love, joy, peace, patience. Goodness, faithfulness, goodness, self-control. self-control. Good job. All the people who've been teaching the kids are like, yes. They remembered. All right, good job. But these are the things that naturally come out of someone who believes. Sorry, I excited the children. We can bring it back down now. But I love that this... This, he kind of sets up this, this working against itself. If anyone thinks he's religious but doesn't bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. So he's trying to say, if none of the actions, if none of the things that are coming out of you are things that are, that are met with the, the mirror of Scripture, what it should look like to be a believer, then you're not saved. But, but if you're doing the things that you're called to do, and he gives us some examples, to to visit orphans and widows in the reflection and to keep oneself unstained from the world. If these are the things that are naturally coming out of us, that's evidence of a life that's been saved by Christ, that's had the, the word implanted in you, that's received that word with meekness. True Christianity isn't just theoretical. Like it's not just something meant to... And, and, and this... And, and you know, I, I did the seminary thing. And... There's a bunch of seminary guys that you connect with, and I've been one of them off and on, that really, really like, let's just sit around and discuss the finer points of the, this little niche doctrine here, and that's what we're going to do. There, I remember there was one period at some point when somebody first discovered, oh, I've never heard of dispensationalism. I ha- we, we need to do a six-week study so we can decide if we're dispensationalists. We've already labeled ourselves as as, as this and this and this, but we don't know if we're in this tribe or not in this tribe. We have to figure this out. And it's like, what are you doing with that? You're enjoying the theoretical. You're enjoying the, the mind exercise of engaging with Scripture, but what is that getting you to do? How is that saving anybody? How is that, how is that serving an orphan or a widow in their affliction? How is that keeping you from being stained by the sin that, that tries to pull you back in? If we stop talking about stuff all the time, if we stop engaging Christianity like a mental exercise, like a theoretical thing, if we stop, listen to the word, look at it, say, what is this looking, what is looking back at me? And it says, do something, and then we do it. And this is the best part. This, is, this should be the most encouraging thing for us to hear. 
I'm back in verse 25. But if one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, this phrase, he will be blessed in his doing. This goes back to that same kind of confidence that we were talking about last week, that idea that every good thing God gives us, all of the good that's in your life is something that God wanted you to have, that he wants to bless his people, he wants to bless you. This is the same level of confidence that James is speaking with here. If you believe what this book says, are motivated to do something about it and go, God will bless it. You may be saying, but I shared the gospel that one time and that person didn't get saved. So I quit. He speaks of perseverance, right? He speaks of, of not the, who, who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, who keeps with it. You will be blessed in all that you do. That may not mean on a micro level that every single thing will now go your way. Every time you, you go... Uh, to the store, there will be some sort of, oh, and this thing is free, and we're going to give it to you. Oh, and you see this person, and you, and you kind of wave at them, and all of a sudden they're saved. And oh, you go to church this time, and every single person walks up and gives you a big hug because they're just so happy to see. It doesn't mean on the micro level, every single experience is going to be amazing. I don't want to promise that. I don't want to, I don't want to like give you some sort of falsehood. But what it is saying is, if you actually do this thing, live out Christianity, live out your faith, look at this word and see what it calls you to do and then do it. In the end, you will be able to look back and say, God was right. He blessed me. He took care of everything. We read it last week. All things work together for the good of those who are called to his purpose, right? Ultimately. Not every step will feel like the right thing, but if you persevere, if you stick with this, he will bless you. In other words, he will be there with you in that. I've always, I've always loved, like, the word for, for bless is the same word for, like, happy. Like, you'll be happy in the things that you're doing, even if they're hard, even if they don't always seem like they're perfectly fulfilling, even if, like, it's not working out, even if, it's, even if, even if it means you've got to sit through five or six meetings. You'll find joy in what you're doing because you know that what you're doing is the will of God. It's what he's called you to. And that he is at work in it. And, and that the motivation, that, that realization of, I have this motivation within me to do these things, confirms to us that we are in Christ. And that we, in the end, no matter what, we get Jesus. We get to be with him. We are saved. And, we, and, and, and all of the affliction and the pain and the things that we're experiencing will go away. So here's that right before I pray part where I, get all I make you get all introspective. What are you doing? Why are you doing it? What aren't you doing? Why aren't you doing it? Have you received the implanted word of God with meekness? Ha ha do, do, you, do you understand? Has God put within you this understanding have you submitted to the word of God completely? If so, what does that look like? 
This might be an interesting exercise. I'm not going to like assign it. There's not going to be a test. I'm not going to make you all come up here next week and read off your list. But I would love to know what are the things that you're doing Maybe you can write this stuff out for yourself. What are the things that I do? And why do I do them? This can include going to work. You can go to work for the glory of God. He calls us to that. In all you do, work with all your heart as if you're working for the Lord. He calls us to work. He calls us to go and, and use wherever it is that he has placed us, whether it's work or school or whatever, for the glory of God, for the kingdom of heaven, as a, as, a, as a mission field for us to be existing within, right? Take some time to think through what is motivating me to do the things that I do throughout the week. This can include doing fun things. It can also mean that you find joy and that doing things that are for the kingdom of God as fun. Like, I don't, I don't want to separate it out as, you can do fun stuff or you can do the Christian stuff. Like, it's not that. Like, I love the things that I get, I, like, like, I don't necessarily, like, if you know this about me, I, I'm real bad about sitting down and actually, like, doing the, the detail work of, like, typing out notes and all of that. Anybody who knows me knows this is true. But when it gets to the part where I get to stand up here and I just get to talk to you about, about what's in this book, I love this. I love getting to sit down and talk with you guys after when you're like, I really don't like the thing that you said. Here's where I think you're wrong. And I'm like, let's go. Slow to, slow to anger. But, but like we can find joy in, in, the, in the spiritual realm too. We don't have to separate the idea of going and doing fun things and having the Christian stuff too. They go together. Find joy in that. And if you have that joy naturally within you, again, that's evidence of your salvation. So, so maybe this week, let's take some time. Write out the things that you do. Write out, and then, and then next to that, maybe draw a line. And then say, why do I do this? And then write out some of your motivation as to why you do that thing. And then if you really want to get crazy, draw another line. And then beside that, write, should I keep doing this? That might be a fun challenge for all of us to do because we might really find that, wow, I really have been motivated to do a lot for the kingdom of God. I've heard these words and I'm doing these things. What does that list good for then? It's good for encouraging you to continue with what you're doing. But maybe if you're having a conversation, say, look, these are the kinds of things that I am getting to do because of my love for Jesus. It's just so naturally within me. I just got to do these things. Would you like to come do some of these things with me? And help encourage a believer whose list might look a whole lot less like that. Right? Like, these things, when we get, like, truly introspective, and we truly look at what's motivating us to do these things, these are the things that reveal to us where our hearts truly rest. And my prayer is that for us, that we would be believers whose hearts are resting in the, on the implanted word of God in our lives, that we are humbly sitting back, accepting what the word says, and then finding this deep-seated motivation to go do something with it. Let's pray. So God, I pray that we would not just stop at knowing the word. Like Francis Chan said, we wouldn't just be memorizing it for the sake of memorizing it. We wouldn't just be translating it just to say, look, I can translate this. But God, I pray that we would be 
so passionate about your word and the joy of knowing you and knowing what salvation means for us, that when we look in, the, look in the Word of God and we see what it is that you've done for us and what you've done by great sacrifice for yourself in us, that we couldn't help but be people who are motivated to be doers. God, I pray we wouldn't overlook the specific list of things that James gave us. He said, loving, loving widows and orphans and staying away from sin, that we wouldn't look at those and say, that's an example, but here's where I'm serving. But we, we, would, we would look at those kinds of things and say, I got to be doing those things. Those are some of the chief examples that he's giving. We got to make sure that we as the church are, are owning those. God, I pray that this wouldn't be a time where we're justifying our inaction because of something else, but instead that we would be deeply troubled if our lives do not reflect what James is calling us to as believers here. And God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be at work convicting us of, of where our, our inactivity, our laziness, or our unwillingness to be moved our, our desire to stay simply within the theoretical realm of Christianity has left us in sin and, 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 and just being religious without taking action. And so, God, I pray that you would, you would change our hearts, convict us, cause, cause us to repent, call us to repentance, and spur us toward action. But God, that's a call for those who are believers, and, and I know that not all of us are. And so I pray that, that, you would, that you would implant your word in the hearts of those who are not saved yet. That you would, you would, you would fill them with that sense of meekness, that humility to, to accept this thing that they cannot earn. And God, I just pray that this would be the moment that you would be at work in the most powerful way that they've ever experienced in saving them and drawing them in towards your church. God, I just love this picture of humility that we've seen, that, that this action isn't taking place because we're confident in ourselves, but because we're confident in what you've put in us. And that, that that call to go do something doesn't necessarily mean that we're going because we feel like we're ready to take on the world, but because we trust that you can through us. And so, God, I know that we're all in different places. Some of us are are in really great high places where we're super joyful and some of us are going through difficulty where we're really not feeling it right now and we're going through a lot of pain and frustration and struggle. But that does not mean that we can't confidently, because of what we know to be true about you, continue to push forward as people who are ready to do what the word calls us to. That even when we're even when we're down, we, we can look to you and trust 
you and know what it is that you have called us to. And we can just trust that in in your faithfulness and what you've already demonstrated you are able to do, we can move forward, we can plot forward with great confidence. Knowing that you are the one that we can rely on. You are the one that we can trust in. Even even when everything around us is difficult and there's lots of pain and and frustration and, and despair. I just pray that you would call us to just, again, look to you to look to your word, to look to the sacrifice of your son. In his name we pray.